That's all I got. Thumb in your butt, volume 12. The compilation. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Snozberry says like snozberries. I'm Ward. And I'm Dan. And the astute listener will notice we're actually down Mike and Steve today because they had better things to do on a nice sunny night in Canada. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about using metallic paints... And we're going to get into a tournament that I went to, which was the WTC fundraiser here in Edmonton. But before we do that, let's talk about what we did this week in hobby. I went to Seattle for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my game of the week uh, would be a Seattle Mariners game, followed by another Seattle Mariners game. Ooh, who did they play? Uh, Baltimore Orioles. Nice. And back, it back as... Back. Back, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, the Thursday and the Friday games, and interestingly enough... Thursday was stitch and pitch night, so <laughs> so I guess the stitch and bitch thing is real because they kind of pulled their own little spin on it where there were old grannies with sewing needles watching baseball. It was weird. I saw you post that and I was like, does this actually happen? Is this real? <laughs> is this real life? I, I didn't get it. So. Oh, further emphasizing the fact that stitch and bitches are a real thing, Robin went to a stitch and bitch this weekend. Weird. I don't, so we, I don't we have get it. very odd confluence of evidence here coming together all at the same time. Perfect. But I guess yeah, so. otherwise weird. very little gaming news from my uh, neck of the woods. So I was just gonna say neck of the woods. It's like we're twins. <laughs> uh, I did a little bit of painting. Uh, I came up with. Well, I didn't come up with it. I stole Dan's color scheme from his uh, FSA, and I'm going to use it on my Prussians. So we're going to have a really uh, similar color scheme when we play against each other. It'll be fantastic. Except yours probably won't have red, white, and blue firework missiles. It will not have that, those. And it'll also probably never get finished either. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, who, were you, you talking about me or him? <laughs> I, I love how it works either way. <laughs> Double a, burn. It's open-ended. Um, <laughs> just the way I like it. So, uh, so I did a little bit of base coating on some Prussians. I uh, worked a little bit more on my second extreme um, Kador Jack. Nice. Uh, I'm going to hopefully get that finished in the next day or two uh, for a separate painting challenge. And uh, that's been about it for me, actually. Oh, just to wind things back a second, I painted the cloak on my chapter master. Oh, totally forgot about that. There's a just, picture of that even. Yeah, the day I got back, uh, I just felt like I had to do some hobbying after a week of being away from my brushes. And so I just blended up a cloak. First time I'd done some like serious blending in a while, so it was a lot of fun. And I honestly base-coated Fiona's boots because I had a whole bunch of stuff preventing me from painting this last last little while, so. Awesome. It sounds real bad, but keeping in mind we're recording this episode a week earlier than usual, so. Yeah, normally we wake <laughs> up for our slacking pretty aggressively at some point. It's yep. true. A lot of last-minute painting. You can blame me. It's my fault. And the good news is that because we don't know exactly what John has done this week, in our heads we're just going to pretend that we've ignored all the pictures of painted orcs and just he did nothing either. Yeah, it's an even playing field this week. Yeah, we all we all, we tied. We we all tied. shooting blanks. It's a tie week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a no way pathetic. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did play some games. We'll talk about that later. Yes. <laughs> so there's been a handful of things that have come out, and I guess it's largely because San Diego Comic Con was this last weekend. So there's a lot of news and events to kind of talk about. We're going to talk about the Mad Max trailer. 
Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that. Charlize yeah. Theron, with even with no hair, still still hot. No hair and like a robot arm. Fantastic! I love it. Yep, I'm secretly I'm secretly hoping that she turns out to be Max. Because at the end, it's like, "What's your name?" and then no, doesn't say his name, so you don't know who it is. Hmm. It's Ooh. conspiracy theory, and it's just started. I would wrap. It would really fulfill my longtime Mad Max fantasies for it to be Charlize Theron instead of Tom Brady. It would make me feel a lot better. Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Sorry. Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie anymore. Just like picks up a grenade and throws like a touchdown strike from fifty yards. No, no, no. Picks up a grenade and almost throws a touchdown strike from fifty yards. Oh, man. Uh, awesome. Uh, so that looks amazing. Uh, other than that... I heard they're also supposed to be doing, like, a video game, like, just, like, an open, free-range Mad Max game. That could be cool. I, I would be interested in so that. So basically sure. it would be GTA with sand. Yes. Sand and, and like, sand people. Your, your, all your missions involve <laughs> fuel. That's it. <laughs> you're not stealing cars, you're just siphoning gas. <laughs> it's like a new achievement unlocked, breath mint. <laughs> I like where this is going. This has got oh, potential. man. So much potential. Sign okay, so getting back on topic, uh, the one thing that's really exciting that we've seen is they've announced a Vallejo Game Air. Yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a mouthful to say. We've already kind of tripped over that a few times, but... Uh, yeah, it appears to be um, an airbrush premix version of the old Citadel range, like the Vallejo game color, where you, they have your clones of like your Scorch Brown, your Bastille Brown, like all those old GW colors you can't get anymore. Now in airbrush form. I think I think that's awesome. I'm like super excited for that. Um, hopefully it comes out soon. Yeah, I don't know of, the release date. There Allegedly was, August. Yeah, there's wow, one, there was okay. one re- retailer. I think he was one of the guys that was going to be previewing it, and he said he was going to get his hands on some... As, as soon as early August and hoping to have it on his store shelves, like, immediately, basically. Crazy. So I don't know if that's going to hit the general supply chain on August 1st or if it's actually going to be in retailers in the next couple days, but we'll have to find out soon. If it's coming out in the, by August 1st, that's, like, a couple days from now, so. Really yeah. stoked about that. That, sh- that should be really interesting because there's a lot of really good old colors that are difficult to replicate, and now you can just buy them off the shelf in yet another format. Sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'm a guy that uses a lot of the game color because I have a hard time letting go of the old colors. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the neat thing about these is that even if you don't use an airbrush, it's basically pre-thin for blending. Leprous brown. That's the color I was thinking of. Nice. I, I use tons of that, and now that that essentially will come in airbrush form. Yeah. Yep. It's already Crazy. existing in regular form. Like, I've yeah, got some yeah. of that at home that I use. And actually, the Vallejo leprous brown is awesome. Yeah. So if the air is just a thin for airbrush version of that, you're going to be very happy. That's yeah, cool. sounds pretty awesome. And the way they're describing it is that it's again pre-mixed for like mixability, durability, so it won't like flake off. And uh, they're saying it has some of the strongest co- coverage of any acrylic range on the market. Granted, they'd probably all say that in a marketing brief, but I'm hoping to God that it's true because Vallejo Air I've liked a lot better than the regular Vallejo. And if the Vallejo Game Air is of the same quality, like sign me up. No, oh, that'll be really cool. We'll have to find a supplier in town and. Do some samples. We should just become a supplier. We should. <laughs> Vallejo Air, if you're listening. Vallejo. <laughs> Vallejo Air. Vallejo, just in general. Send us some paint. We'll we'll uh, give you some Dan, say it on Espanol. <laughs> uh, maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> S- Senior Vallejo, send us some paint. No, I said on Espanol, not on racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying. Important I'm, difference. I don't, I can't even speak anything. 
We know. <laughs> Five years ago, I might have had a chance, but not now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Ward, anything else interesting coming out lately that's piqued your interest? New releases? Um, I really like the Spartan Games um, uh, Chinese Flyer Force. Have you seen this? With the with their fly like the big bombers and such. Oh yeah, those look awesome. Like I are don't... those the ships that look like uh, tailspin? Yes, yes. <laughs> nice. Maybe that's the hidden reason that I love them actually. So I don't play Chinese yet. Apparently, apparently so... they're quite cheesy. Almost oh, a Monterey Jack goodness. specifically. Yes, um, but oh, man, I'm excited for that. Well, no, Monterey Jack was not... Monterey Jack was... Oh, what's that other cartoon? Oh, I totally mixed that up with was Rescue Rangers. Chip yes, yeah, you were yeah, talking Rescue Rangers. Rescue Rangers. See, you looked at me funny, and I was like, I know what I was, you're saying, yep. but it does not apply. Ah, <laughs> I, was, I was very confused as well. I guess my like early 90s, late 80s cartoon card has been you, revoked. You are out of the club. Make uh, a good she joke later, and you'll be back in the club. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Can't go He-Man, um, that's too easy. That's that's the no, one. No, because that, that then it wouldn't be for the honor of Grayskull. <laughs> oh sure. man, okay. Power. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I like I like the look of the Chinese. Um I think it's I think it's a sharp looking but battle force, so Spartan games. Let's see what else you got for sure. I'm excited. Yeah, those combined with the Indian Raj that uh were announced a couple of weeks ago that I'm liking the look of. I mean, it looks like they're really upping their game with some of the newer your releases like this stuff looked good before but some of the new stuff is really starting to catch my eye new factions it's just like oh man how much money am i gonna spend on spartan games like not that much because it's cheap (laughs) no well but the problem is that i want everything just give me one of everything yeah that does start to add up that that adds up right no kidding but that's that's my interest for this week cool tom how about you well, they announced at, I guess it would have been at the San Diego Comic-Con, that the Malifaux... Oh yeah, Comic-Con. I may have said Gen Con earlier. Comic- no, Gen Con's in a, week, in a week or two, I think. Yeah, Gen Con's coming up in early August, I think. I can't remember which weekend. But, early August, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but they... Totally hasn't happened yet. They've leaked pictures and images from the new Malifaux book, which has the rest of the rules for all of the masters in the game. Did they split it into two different books, then? Is that... Is so that there was the, the Wave 1 book had three masters for every faction. Okay. And then the new book has the rest of them. So there was a because they originally launched a lot in I think three or four waves for most of their releases and this what time they're just doing it in two. So they've got all the rules for all of the currently existing models as well as a few new ones that don't have models yet. Okay. Which That's specifically cool. for me as a Gremlin player means all of the new Gremlin stuff. <laughs> Gotcha. So you'd still need the first book, essentially, no. for... Really? The, se- the second one contains all the rules by themselves as well? Or, sorry, no, you'd need the... Well, here's the way it works. You can all- normally buy... There's a $15 core rulebook yep. okay. that just has the rules in it, or the $40 first rulebook that has the rules plus all the rules for the gangs, and then the new one has more fluff and the rules for the rest of the gangs. Gotcha. But much like War Machine, you buy your box, it comes with cards for all the models that are in it, so you have all the rules for all the models that you're buying. That, okay, So yeah. all you need to do is spend 15 bucks on a rule book and buy your gang box and you're good to go. Okay, that's pretty cool. So it's one of those th- reasons why it's such a great game to get into because it's so cheap. Gotcha, okay, alright. And it's an awesome game, which we've talked about before. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm, I'm on the fence still, so... I'm oh, sh- dude, just you wait. The new Gremlin art looks amazing. Okay. You are going to get dragged right into the bayou. <laughs> You're going to be right there with me, and I'm going to do up a bayou board, and we're going to play in the mud together. That It's going to get real dirty. It's going to get... 
You're, you're going to come over to my house and the Deliverance soundtrack is going to be playing. Uh, <laughs> why can I only think of Dodgeball and the car wash scene? <laughs> that's, because that's all that you should think of. Yes, okay, all right, anyway. All right, uh, I think that's about it for news, unless there's anything else. No, I think that about covers it. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. That, that, was, the, that was the thing that caught all of our eyes this week. Yes, absolutely. So, moving on, let's talk about uh, some metallic paints. Yes, the game plan uh, for this episode is we're going to talk about uh, metallics, we're going to go with some silvers to start off with, and we're going to discuss a couple different paint ranges. So the ones that we have on the table right now are, is, are, whatever you want to say, are. (laughs) Remember, remember I'm bad at English and just speaking in general. And even worse at Spanish, so Mm, let's not go there. Okay. (laughs) GW... <laughs> Vallejo and P3 are. You know, it's a silent ones. J, right? Vallejo. <laughs> I don't know. Technically, the double L would also be that weird, like Vallejo or something. G- but let's let's not get into actual discussion of Spanish. GW. That's uh, an entirely different tangent. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about those three paint ranges. Uh, we've got it also broken up into GW new versus old paints, uh, airbrushing versus game, uh, or even model paints. if you've used that before. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's the variations right within the the ranges. So let's start off with um, I'm gonna say we start off with the classic GW range. Well, I think uh, if you're talking silver, you cannot have a conversation without bulk and metal. Bulk and metal, oh, best <laughs> color ever. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this earlier, and if GW released bulk and metal by the gallon. We would all buy it. Their stock price just through the roof as just millions of gallons of bulk on metal could go flying off the shelves. Massive profit right there. Yeah, especially if it's the old one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it was just lead belcher, <clears throat> maybe not so much. So there's yeah. there's three silvers in the old range. Mithril yes. silver, chainmail, and bulk gun. Okay, there's three in the new range right now too, I believe. Lead belcher is the dark. Oh, God. Runefang steel. And what's the really bright one? Ironbreaker, Lead Belcher, and Rune Fest. Ironbreaker. Ironbreaker's the middle yeah. one. Yeah. That's Those right. are the three. Yeah. Not necessarily in any particular order. Yeah. So I, I find the difference between the new and the old range. The old range, bulk and metal, I find way better as a darker tone for sure. Um, the new well, paints. Well, it just had. It, they covered better. They covered better, yeah. These ones tend to separate more also in the bottles. I find. And on the palette. If you leave them alone. Well, the wet palette, I find, keeps them pretty decent. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, I I think that is something that is very easily overlooked with metals as well, is you you do need to thin them out. Like, at the end of the day, a lot of people just get stuck in that mindset of just dry brush and you're done. But, yeah, if you are thinning and mixing your metals, like like a standard paint, you will probably be in pretty good shape. There's, there's a lot to do with, like, the metal ranges themselves, right? So, uh, P3, Dan, you've got a couple here right now. Yeah, I was just pulling them out because I could not remember what their names were and didn't want to look like an idiot. But now I've told you that I was doing it, so it kind of defeats the purpose. But, now you're um, a self-aware idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind. Um, but, yeah. So there's the P3 equivalents are Pig Iron for their darkest... And uh, Cold Steel is their mid-tone, like the chainmail, I guess. And Quicksilver being their really bright silver as well. So those are the three standard ones there. And I've barely used these ones. Uh, I've just uh, actually resuscitated some old paints from my P3 range. I bought the whole range a couple of years ago and never used many of them. So some of them had kind of separated out after years and years of just sitting. But uh, except for one, they all came back to life. And they seem like pretty serviceable uh, after all that time, which is awesome. So I think one of the problems that P3 had for a long time is that the Citadel metallics were so much better. Yes. Ironically, the GW Silvers set the gold standard for the industry. (laughs) 
the lame joke, but mm. uh, the sentiment the sentiment is pretty sincere. The old um, like bolt gun chainmail mithril trio was just amazing. They had good coverage, good pigment. Um, you, you could dry brush them. You could brush them like normal paints. You could mix and blend them. The whole range, like. Yeah, it was. They were great paints. They were really good all around, and uh, they did set a very high standard for everybody else to try and match. And uh, yeah, the initial P3 batch that came out, which these that I have in front of me came from, they did have a few issues. Like um, they did have a little bit of issue with separation if they sit for too long, stuff like that. But obviously, after like four years of sitting, they came back to life, so it can't be that bad. No, I got a one of the new Citadel Metallics. It was one of the golds, but it uh, it dried out on me after about three weeks yeah and, I think and it was sealed and it but it just died yeah i think that's as much to do with the the actual paint pot design as anything but yeah some of these old p3s that were either never opened or were open once five years ago like they were still again i had one pot that went bad after five years of not using it versus you let you let a bunch of gw paints of the current range sit for six months and a lot of them are probably toast yeah no absolutely um, so it's yeah you can definitely say something for these older style flip tops they are they're pretty good. They're they're solid for sure. Uh, the Vallejo uh, paints, I've used the Vallejo Air uh, for the airbrushing. So they've got some darker tones. They've got the um, black silver. Yeah, they actually, I believe it's... a it's, really dark, dark I wonder if it's one. called Black Metal. I think yes, it's called Black Metal. Black Metal. I'm pretty sure it is. Does yeah, it, it, it is code 71.073 Black Metal. There you so, go. So, yeah, it is the Vallejo Air... Like, it's way darker than Bolt Gun. It is closer to black, I would say, than it is to Bolt Gun. Like, it is very dark. But holy crap, is that a cool paint. Yeah, it's yeah. it's something different that none of the other paint ranges have. Like, the really, no. really dark one, right? Well, and so. I think it's one of the ones, too, where normally with metallics, you have to start with more of a mid-tone, and then you're using washes or shades to kind of get those recesses in there. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Whereas this one, just right out of the gate, it's a perfect base coat. To then, if you're just going to do a simple metallic, to just dry brush over top of with a bolt gun, just to give you that very basic level, and it gives a lot of definition automatically because you're actually starting really dark, and it covers amazingly either out of the through an airbrush or just straight out of the pot because it's so dark over black primer, it's fantastic. Yeah, um, and then I've got oh, I can't think of their names right now, but I've got the other ranges of the silvers too. Um, same thing with this one; it sprays on really nice. Uh, you get a nice even coat. There's a lot of pigment in it. Um, it they look really sharp. I think Dan's doing some searching there as well. So yeah, currently reaching over to my pile of paints to see what I have for the Vallejo Air Metals. So um, I I'm just a big fan of the the airs. I haven't used a lot of the game color. Have you? They're okay. I think much like the P3s, for a long time, they've suffered from the issue of just not as good as the old Citadel ones. But, unfortunately, we can't just get the old Citadel ones anymore. They don't, they don't exist. They don't make them. So now, we're actually having to look at comparing these different ranges and seeing which we like the best. Uh, Dan just found the two other ones. There's a gun gray silver and then a silver silver. Yeah, I think the gun gray is maybe slightly darker than the old bulk gun metal. And the silver is probably similar to the, like, the mithril silver. Yeah. Um, so like the Runefang steel, I guess, being the brighter one. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, they're definitely really cool paints too. They're, again, they airbrush like a dream. They are pre-thin, so dry brushing is a little bit challenging, but if you are doing blended highlights or something like that, they do work quite nicely. So of the current accessible ranges that you guys have used, what's your favorite? 
for me right now, it, honestly, it's a mix between the Vallejo Air and GW, the new GW range. Um, it totally depends on what scale I'm painting on. Um, if I'm doing large amounts of silver, I'll use the Vallejo Air. Uh, it's quicker, easier. Um, yeah, if you're doing those big surfaces, smooth coverage is, is, is important. Yeah. Like, you don't want it to go on chunky or streaky, anything like that. And the airbrush metals are really, really good for that. If I'm doing little bits and pieces here, um, some silver, like a sword, something like that, I can get away with the GW range. Uh, again, a little bit smaller. I can do the control, the blending, that sort of thing. So uh, the P3... I don't know whether it's I had a bad batch or it was like when it first started, but I do find that there's more separation. I'm not a huge fan of um, the transition colors that they have um, compared to the other two ranges. All right, Fair I'm going to go ahead and kind of disagree, I guess. Do it. Uh, we, I've one found, of us has to. I really hate the new Citadel Metallics. I've found they separate when they're sitting there. They separate on the palette. And I'm not a wet palette user because I normally... I haven't been doing too big of batches lately, so it's just kind of been really easy to just use the standard comic book cover palettes. Mm -hmm. And I find halfway base coating metallics on one model, it's already messing up completely to the point where I'm having to re-mix uh, it all together on my palette. Which, first off, it's ridiculously time-consuming to do that kind of stuff all the time, having to remix the colors. And when you start mixing new colors in for highlights. You're having to kind of play around with it more. It's harder to see where the transitions are going. And on top of that, I find it doesn't cover that well over top of black, uh, which if your bolt gun metal analog, whatever it is, is not covering over black, you've got a problem. And even with thinned down layers, I'm fine. Because I do mostly brush painting. I do a little bit of airbrush for larger things, but I'm mostly I paint with a brush. It's just... Hey, Mike's not here. You could talk about the dry brush. Oh... <laughs> There we go. He's going to listen to this episode and hate you. <laughs> you knew it was coming, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> but I've found for anything where you're going to be thinning it down to the consistency where you're getting a smooth coverage, the paint almost falls apart. The pigment's really weird. Separate, it, doesn't, yep. it doesn't go on smooth like the old bulk gun metal used to. And if you want a good looking metallic, you need to thin it down. Like Dan was saying, I find almost more than I do my regular paints and then do a few more layers just to get that nice smooth metallic sheen maybe i've just been lucky then with the the silvers i know i know the issues that you're talking about i found that those were with other other metallics but i found that like the silvers seem to work out okay for me right so for me it was very specifically the whatever the darkest one is lead belcher lead belcher was yeah. i maybe i got a bad pot but it was honestly i'll give it maybe a one puck out of five Gotcha. Okay. I can definitely see that, especially if it's dry. The pot is literally drying out and becoming like a brick of rubber. That that's doing you no good. Yeah, that's yeah. that's unfortunate. But uh, again, they set a really high standard before, and anything, even if me, even a decent paint would seem that much worse because it has the Citadel logo on it. When you're used to having, you know, that those years and years of really high quality metallics for a long time, again, they were they were the best of the best. So, Whereas with the P3s, sorry, just to finish this yeah, point. Yeah, go ahead. I find they separate in the pot, but once I get it mixed up again, it's still serviceable and workable for the entirety of me using that color. I'm not having to worry about mixing it up again and again and again on my palette just to make it give a nice smooth coverage. So I've actually been moving a lot towards the P3 metallics. And not to mention the fact that they're like, what, th maybe they're up to four bucks now for the 18 mil pot, whereas the GW1s are now up to five for, for a 12. 12 mil pot. So yeah, you're... You're bang so, for your buck. You're getting a lot more from the P3. Even assuming all other things being equal, just on price per milliliter, you're better getting a better deal with P3. And they're a better pot. 
Yeah, so they will. You will actually get style, to use yeah. the majority of the it. The only like. issue with the P3 pots, <laughs> which we may as well talk about while we're getting into this paint review, is that the lids do eventually fall off on the back. Yeah, like the hinge. The, the, the hinge, hinge will, will let go after a couple of months. There's nothing you can do about it. A lot of the times, the tab that that, that you flip up with your thumb will fall off as well. And um, yeah, I've actually broken a Windsor Newton brush in half because I use my brushes to like pop open the paints. Yeah, that's what my Citadel brushes are for. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a mistake. Breaking a twenty dollar brush to open a pot that was a problem. See, I've never had an issue <laughs> breaking a brush, but it's how I do it for mine all the time. For me, uh, the order of like pot technology, I'll call it, <laughs> is uh, I I find the Vallejo. Dude, this best. is an Alberta podcast, not a BC podcast. Like. <laughs> Pot technology. Hmm. I I like the. I'm a fan of hydroponics myself. Oh my goodness. There you go. I just uh, like vaping. <laughs> no hot knifing. That's my favorite technology. That just sounds aggressive. I don't even know what it means, but I like it. <laughs> but uh, okay, so you I, have a layaway air in your hand. I assume you're going to talk about dropper bottles. I I used to hate dropper bottles, and now they are my favorite. I I think that the 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 style is the best just for versatility as well what do you mean for versatility i mean i can just do how is a dropper drop bottle versatile uh for how much you want out of the pot you're not gonna get gummed up it, it doesn't build up as bad as it does on the lids of the other pots like the gw paint straight up disagree okay shut up i'm not done yet uh, <laughs> <laughs> the drop the drop a bottle would be my first choice uh out of the bottles types second would be p3 um this is an old gw style that they've copied yep um I still have GW, old, old GW paints. Some old, old wooden chips. Old, old wooden chips. <laughs> so you have a, a very diverse paint collection is what you're telling me? I, I have, like, the old uh, metallic, me and Dan were talking about this earlier, the, the metal, the, like, the hex amethyst. bottles? Yeah. 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 And they are still good with this type of, like, lid. So, yeah, like, there that... Are, there are plenty of people out there that have 10, 15, 20-year-old Citadel paints from the really old hex pots. That are still perfect. I mean, it's ridiculous. They just keep really good. And then the current ones would be the GW ones. So, because again, I have found that some of them dry out, even though the pots are closed and sealed. I don't know what it is. They're just terrible. Mm, yeah, the pots. Yeah, the, I think that weird, super flexible plastic, including the lids. It's just I don't know. There's so, there's something there, off about there's, it. There's there's something getting in there for sure. So that is my pot technology rant. Go. Um to. Yeah, I don't know. For if we're talking just about pots, I would probably have to say I like the P3 the best, just because I'm not a huge fan of if I'm mixing paints. If I put too much on the palette, it's really easy to put some back in to like the the P3 or the Citadels. But okay, um, it's, right. you have to like kind of pull the nozzle off and take your airbrush, you know, paints apart to get back into the Vallejo dropper bottles. And once that nozzles come off. The second you go to squirt it again, it's just flying off of there. <laughs> I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, we, we have had a few... You missed it. We have had a few uh, paint explosion issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was bad. But uh, yeah, it's, it's happened a few times frighteningly close to the models that I'm working on where somebody has gone to use a Vallejo um, and they squeeze a little bit too hard. And if the nozzle does clog, it can just jettison the entire nozzle assembly. The and, payload. Yes. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> The payload is just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> oh so my god. So there was the one day I was trying to use the Vallejo ink and it was dangerously close to the uh, the the night that Steve was working on. Oh yeah, you did just about spray brown ink all over Steve's Imperial Night. 
That, that would have been awesome. I'm sure that would have gone over well. Does he know that? And, uh, um, not until he listens to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the other example was um, Steve a while ago. He was using the Vallejo, whatever, like the old like GW like electric blue, the really bright blue. Oh yeah, okay. He was using the equivalent of that, and just yeah, he went to squirt some out on the palette just to uh, to use some. I think he's painting Eldar or some random thing. You know what he's probably painting was his dark Eldar. They're blades on the witches and stuff, or like a really light, right. like ice blue sort of thing. And uh, so yeah, he just went to again squirt a little bit onto the palette, and the lid shot off like the entire palette. Payload went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just everywhere. It was it was it was a bad time, but uh, yeah, it got all over all over the palettes. Got on a bunch of. I can't, I'm trying to keep it together. Okay. <laughs> let's just move past this. So the dropper bottles have limitations. Yes. But let's get back to talking about metallics. Okay. So. So what, if you were to rank the three metallics, you've already done your favorite. I think I've already done my favorite. What about you, Dan? With the with the paints. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Dan, what do you, what's your preferred or your pref, preferred preferred? <laughs> what's your preferred loadout for your payload? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I hope there's painting clinics now, and that's what they refer to it as. Mm. Yep. Payload delivery system. I'm teaching nerds how to offload their payload. <laughs> I doubt anyone uh, else is finding this nearly as funny as we just are. Just gotta give it a good shake, you know? It's all in the wrist. To but, this uh, day. Uh, <laughs> Remember the time we were gonna keep things on topic? <laughs> Never gonna not, happen. Not at all. There was a good friend of mine, I was working in a hobby store in the city, and he came in, and he was trying to convince me that Vallejo paints were better than Citadel's. And this is back when Citadel had the old range, which was probably the best range ever. Um, and I, I was like, "Fine, you can buy Vallejos if you want to do this." And I did the jerking off motion for like probably forty five seconds at him before you do any painting. And honestly, I feel like that was one of the main downsides. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that for the most part with Vallejo, but um, with saying- the Vallejo metallics, I've actually found that really not to be an issue. Because the, like, sitting here right in front of me, the Vallejo airs that have been sitting for a couple of weeks, like, they haven't separated, like, at all in the pot. Like, it is, I don't know what they're doing different now compared to previously. Maybe it's just with the Vallejo air, because these are the Vallejo air metallics. And that's why I'm so excited about the game air, because I have had the same kind of positive experiences with the air colors instead of the regular Vallejos. Yeah, and if having that slightly different premix system really clears up some of the few (laughs) issues that there were with the Vallejo range, I mean, that's awesome. That's perfect. And my air pots don't clog nearly as bad as the regular game color ones. Oh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't with, uh, you know, all the extra thinning and um, everything and the alcohol in them. That's already applied, yeah. Yeah, they would not dry as quickly on the nozzles. Everything is better with a sufficient amount of alcohol in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's truth. I don't know what to say. But, uh, yeah, so I think, for me, I've been getting a lot of of really good use out of the Vallejo Air Metallics lately, and I haven't picked up any of their gold yet, but if it's anywhere near as good as the silver... Like it's again, true. I'll be pretty. I'll be pretty happy with that. Like, right now, I have the yeah two or three of the silvers, and um, we're trying to get our hands on more of the black metal because that stuff is amazing. I've had it on order for like a month and a half now. I think I've still got a pot at home. So we might not be the only ones that are enjoying it by the sound of things. But uh, yeah, so really looking forward to getting my hands on some more Vallejo Air Metallics and the Game Air Metallics again. Like, if they're as good as they sound, it'll be awesome. It'll be totally awesome. Pro tip: use them. Uh, the and the only downside is that as a pre-thin paint, they're a lot harder to dry brush with. But then, when you're dry brushing, it doesn't matter if you're using a slightly less ideal paint to get that nice, thin, smooth coverage. And for dry brushing, I'll, I'll fine, I'll use Ironbreaker. Fair enough. I don't care. Yeah. 
MTW does have the um, the dry brush Necron compound as well, which yeah. is that's weird paint. But if you are just doing a dusting of like dry brushing, really really light coats, that is what it's for. It could be okay. Um, should we go on to some basic skills then, maybe for beginners? Yeah. So what would do? What would you say would be your absolute basic benchmark for a decent looking metallic? So the big thing for the metallics that I've seen is I've seen a lot of people just dry brush over a black base coat. They try to dry brush a silver over top on a sword or, or whatever you have, right? Um, I think that's totally the wrong way to go. You need a solid silver base coat to go with. So don't dry brush the first coat. Actually paint on a solid silver. Depending on what shade, depending on how dark you want your silvers, of yeah, course, right? I, I can definitely agree with that, because um, in a similar vein, um, when the GW washes first came out, like the old Devil in Mud, I mean, there's still a lot of people that do paint that way, where it's um, it's like a base coat, and then just the one wash, and then you're done. And I mean, painting to completion, you can still get a decent-looking tabletop army using those techniques, but if you want to elevate your game beyond that, then doing you have to go a little bit more, do a few extra steps, and I do think that doing... an like a, a base coat of um, like a darker metal before you start dry brushing would go a long way towards, without doing a lot of extra work, still getting a lot more of that result. Yeah, so I think for me, if you want to get that, like, and this might almost be one step above tabletop, uh, but with really tabletop level effort, you just take your bolt gun metal analog, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, your, your pig base iron, coat, your lead belcher, whatever. Whatever it is. You give it some kind of a, uh, um, in somewhere in between black and brown ink, ink wash or shade or whatever or both One or, of each or could both work too yeah absolutely and then just give it a dry brush of that exact same color just kind of focusing more around the edges and make sure when you're dry brushing that you're really making sure that you're getting almost all the paint off the brush so you're getting that nice dusting for the dry brush instead of getting weird streaky yes marks on the actual part of the model itself. And that right there is going to give you, I would say, a better looking metallic than 80% of the armies I see. Yeah, it really is that simple, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, and uh, Tom, having painted several like Iron Warriors type armies, he knows a thing or two about bolt gun metal. So. It's my second biggest thing that I know. If you want to talk snot green, that's that's my jam. <laughs> yeah, watermelon green and bolt gun metal. <laughs> Go to Tom. He's your man. Uh, but I think that's really the good foundation for a metallic. Um, I think for a big like beginner to intermediate level, that would get you to, you know, with a pretty minimal effort, that would get you to a you know a good standard, absolutely. So in intermediates, then um, I find that you, for this step, you gotta like be able to like layer and 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 be able to use uh, a variety of silvers. Um, so in this case, you can start off with the base coat of like the darkest silver, again, pig iron, lead belcher, what have you, yep. uh, and then be able to mix your like lighter tones in. Like you can buy the brightest color and mix in really slowly to the dark, or you can go through the entire like range, whatever works best for you. I find, um, with metallics, unlike most other paints, you really don't need too many in-between gradients. All you do is when you're watering them down enough, just make sure, like we talked about on the podcast before, make sure you're pulling your highlights towards the edges. And I find metallics, especially the way the light's reflecting off them, work really well. Just going your base coat, the, the mid-tone, and the highlight. And you rarely need more than that. Um, just, again, I would probably recommend for this, starting off with that base coat, wash, reapply the base coat, and then do your highlights up. Just so you're getting that definition in the cracks. Dan? Yeah, uh, that's all very similar to the way if I'm doing tabletop metals, um, tabletop level silver, it's often, um, again, your bulk gun metal equivalent. A lot of the times I do a thinned wash 
all over the metal with um, like a Devlin Mudder Agrax Earthshade. Yep. So it gives a little yeah. bit of a tint of brown everywhere, and then I go back and do um, a slightly less thin, but because I, I thin everything a little bit um, with Null Oil or um, Bedab Black or whatever you have, black ink even, and do that just like targeted to the recesses. So that way you get that um, little bit of a dirt onto the, to the surface as well as having the actual shadows picked out by the black. And then you can go in and do like a, a dusting of, um, again, your bolt gun metal, your chain mail, um, start highlighting up from there. When you're doing your first like level of washes too, will you also focus like around things such as like rivets and that sort of thing to, to make the detail more prominent when you apply your, your reapply or your layer? I yeah. Um, when I, when I do say I do an all over wash, I mean, at the end of the day, I am still, again, like Tom was saying, uh, direct, well, it's actually works very similar with washes as well as with uh, your blended highlights where again, you're dragging the brush towards the area that you want to deposit the paint. So if there is, um, like, I don't know if we're talking about like a bolt gun where they have like the, you know, the little details as well as that like little circle on the back of them. If you know, if you know a bolt gun, you probably know what I'm talking about. The I know what you're talking about. Cylinder on the side there. And, um, so if you were to pull your wash towards that circle, then it would uh, pull a lot more because that's probably the most prominent of uh, the shadows on the side of a bolt gun there. Yep. So like, I think, yeah, I think it, even when I'm doing the all over shading, I'm still trying to deposit more of it in the areas where it should be the darkest, where it should be pooling. And then even more so when I'm doing like the, the targeted black wash, I'm just picking out specific areas rather than tinting the entire surface. Gotcha. Um, do you, should we like use an example maybe? So like painting up a orc axe for an example. Well, well that's honestly, an, that's an interesting discussion too, because there are, there's not just like one type of silver, right? Like, um, like a space Marines weapon where it is something that is, you know, it's artificer made, it's maintained, it is cleaned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that being one of the big differences too. There are, there, it is going to look different than like an ogre blade from fantasy or an orc weapon or, you know, certain, like even uh, some just like the cruder, bigger, gnarlier weapons from different game systems. Like, um, yeah, it's, there's different ways of doing the metallic. You're going for different effects. And especially as you're moving towards some of the more intermediate and advanced techniques, I think a lot of that weathering and different, um, different ways of doing metals, they really start to come to the fore. So keeping this at a relatively intermediate level, I find for me the simplest way, if I'm kind of trying to differentiate between like an orc axe or something more savage looking and something a little bit more pristine, is how high I highlight it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it sounds really simple because it is. Uh, where oftentimes if I'm doing orc metallics, I'll start with my bulk gun metal and I'll focus more on the shading that I do to it than necessarily the highlighting. So it's not going up to that very chromey silver look because orcs aren't going to fight with silver. They're going to fight with like pig iron. Yeah. And so having your final highlights maybe be chainmail, like maybe is the way to approach it that way. Whereas if I'm doing Space Marines or Empire or any uh, metallics, let's say, on my elves that I've done over the years, I would go almost starting at a, uh, a chain mail, shade it down a bit, and then go up through the, the actual silver. So it's less about the technique. And, and again, this is at an intermediate level and more about just how bright it is, really. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like The starting point makes a big difference. And especially if you start working in... Like, if you're willing to mix paints, like, if you want a dusty, like, nasty metal, you can mix a little bit of, like, brown paint into your bulk on metal base coat. Or, you know, you can do different things like that to get a little bit more consistency out of the base coat and not have it be pooled or whatever. Like, there's a lot of simple bits. things you can do. Yeah. Uh, warp lock, warp lock bronze or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm adamantly against mixing metallics with non-metallics. non-metallics. I, I want to talk about that in a little bit, too. Um... 
but with the, with this one, like for an example, like painting the orc axe. Uh, so a beginner, a good suggestion would be paint your base coat, uh, and then like dry brush or highlight your edges with the lighter tone. Actually, you know what? If you want a beginner orc chain axe, start with your tin bits analog. So what's that? Warp block, bronze, something bronze. like that. Sure, <laughs> the darkest copper ish color you can find. Start yeah. with that, and then dry brush with uh, bolt gun. Or over, or over top, yeah, and you're done. Um, but just make sure you get that smooth coverage with the dark tin color first. Yep. Okay, I agree. And and that's th- beginner and level, and that and that'll give you um, a a good start for for sure for getting like silvers done. Uh, intermediate again, we can start with your base coat of the warp block. Intermediate, I probably wouldn't. Even a little bit, just to darken up, like maybe intermediate. I would really start shading more. Like that's when you're gonna play around with doing more of what Dan was talking about with the the mixing in the browns and the blacks and and just getting a lot more control over where these recesses are. Mm-hmm. Because dry brushing your bolt gun over top of a tin bits looks fine. Highlighting a bolt gun over a tin bits looks weird. No, but I'm saying like still very like, true. But that's still- a giant jump. But still, but even but mixing, still it's a weird transition because then you're getting a solid silver over top of a solid dark bronze base, which I'm just gonna say, having done it, it just looks weird. Gotcha. Because it, it's not like you're shading it at that point, because you're getting that shiny metallic effect in the recesses. Where when it's just a dry brush, it looks fine. This is really weird. It works really well as a dry brush, but not as an actual blended transition. At all, just in my experience. Maybe okay. you've had a different one. Have you tried it? Uh, I've I've done a little bit for for again like really dark recess shading, um, and it's okay. So, but typically what I'll do is I'll still start with like the like the axe head being the darkest silver. I'll work the lighter silver towards the edge of the blade. The really sharp um, edges I'll hit with like the highest silver. Sure. And then I'll typically do a lot of thin washes over top to to shade the whole blade again putting a little bit more towards um the connection point between like the haft and the blade itself and that's exactly what i would do yeah. just leaving the tin bits analog out of the equation yeah okay very cool i was and just trying to build on the beginner t- tin bits well, if, if we wanted <laughs> yeah, to but, but unfortunately okay. it's kind of like it works for beginners but it doesn't really translate to that intermediate yeah because i mean it's more skills that you pick up as as you paint more right that sort of yeah thing. and i think with metallics it's one of those things where most people I know that paint metallics, paint beginner metallics, because you rarely need to go that next step. And the amount of time you invest into painting a more intermediate or advanced level metallic is very rarely noticeable. So with the advanced metallic, then what, what extra stages would you see, essentially? <laughs> okay. <laughs> see or do? <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh Ideally, well, it's a tell, lot of yeah. one and a little bit of another, and unfortunately, uh, I I do metallics a lot like the, uh, they're very Jacob Nielsen inspired, so when he does his metallics, what he's basically doing is starting with a base coat and then applying a, a wash of some kind, which will more or less darken up most of the recesses. He'll then highlight up that base coat, doing just probably reapplying that exact base coat, and then, um, much like we talk about, thin it down, drag it towards the, the edges... And then you take um, another tint, but it's not going to be as dark as the color you're using. So let's say, for example, we're going to start with uh, bolt gun metal and shade it down with a 50-50 mix of brown ink and black ink. Reapply the bolt gun. 
Again, with that kind of highlighting, my next one that I'll normally do, almost invariably, and this is definitely a Jacob Nielsen thing, is purple. Uh, purple, purple ink glaze, that is the trademark of yep. Jacob Nielsen, especially around, like, year 2000 kind of era? Yeah, I like, the coolest model I think I can remember was that uh, when the Ogre Kingdoms came out, his slave giant that was in the back of the book. I don't... Which oh, had okay. that, like, chrome... That had, like, it was the, the chrome dome. Mask? Yeah, it was, like, that gladiator-esque oh, one. Oh, yeah, yep. okay, yeah. Um, and the neat thing about the purple is it gives a little bit of color to the metallics, because oftentimes metallics are very bland. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're just, it's silver with black in the recesses or mm-hmm. brown in the recesses, and you don't really get much of that natural tone. And whereas metallics are reflecting colors around them, so you normally see on metallic objects in real life a little bit more color than you do when you're painting them. So I'll start with that purple, and then I'll go and reapply, re-highlight it up. And this time, in this step, I'll probably go and mix in uh, a chainmail highlight. And then you go back, and the ultimate in... The only thing maybe more important to painting metallics than purple ink is, to me, a clear orange. I have two pots of that. And it smells delicious. It smells like cheap vodka. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> And so you'll do a thin-down version of that over top of the whole model. And the neat thing about the, the clear orange is that, again, it's adding more of this color, but because you're doing these thin glazes over top of everything, you're not slapping someone in the face with how much yeah. color is on there. And when you say thin glazes, like, you really do mean that. Um, when you're doing these tinting on your silvers, it has to be extremely subtle. Otherwise, you just end up with, like, a purple sword, and it's a little bit well, intense. Well, the, the best example that I can think of is the of the thin washes is, like, a lot of the high elf range uh, for fantasy has a lot of the blue, really light blue. Yeah, very subtle. Uh, some of the new dwarves have, like, very subtle, um, like, on the runes and stuff that are free-handed onto the metal. Uh-huh. Especially there, they have, like, very subtle hints of color mixed in. So, and I guess right now we should really make a distinction between a glaze and a wash. It, it might be something that's... You've heard before, but a glaze is designed to tint the overall color of the surface, whereas a wash is going to be darkening the recesses. Yeah. And in this situation, the glaze has this successive feature where it is making the recesses a little bit darker each time, just because you're never reapplying a base coat to those recesses. So it does stack, and it will eventually give you this really cool, strange shading color all said and done, but it's not going to be like... I did mithril silver with a blue wash to give myself a blue metallic. It, it do, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. It's it's several really thin stages. I've seen people take the the wash itself and just add it to a silver before even applying it to the paint. Yeah, I've done that as well. It it it's fifty fifty for me. It's, it's tricky. It's, it's not my best technique. It's tricky, but I have had some success with it. I used to paint power weapons for forty k that way, where I would mix um, chainmail with dark blue ink and do the base oh, coat. Okay. And then blend it all the way up to pure mithril silver, and then do um, like a couple of tinting, very thin glazes, a sky blue ink over the blade afterwards to accentuate areas and make the color really pop. Uh, so talking about so more things we can't get sky anymore. Sky blue yep. ink. <laughs> but uh, uh. but at the end of the day, you could you could recreate some of that with um, the ink part would be a little bit tricky for mixing with the chainmail because I haven't tried mixing any of the current glazes or washes with metal. 
but assuming one of them works, which I'm is... sure the new glazes <laughs> would probably work because the glazes are basically thinned down inks. Yes. Whereas the washes have that different um, I, consistency. I, I'd still thin them down too. Just, I mean, just. It's well, of course e you would, it's, but you're starting similar. It's easier to build up more like layers than just like, oh crap, I just yep. glooped a whole bunch of. <laughs> paint on and it doesn't work at all so and one of the cool things about mixing in an ink or a wash or a glaze or whatever you call it into your base coat on the metals um like if you're doing it the way i described it actually serves to thin out the paint pretty effectively as well without watering it down so that you can still get really smooth coverage and everything without adding a lot of water you still get that same consistency and yeah so that that i've had a lot of luck with in the past and the, the blue ink part i'd be a little bit worried about for that initial base coat but the blue glaze that you could go on afterwards as Tom was, was saying, those are those are pretty brilliant looking um, new glazes. I haven't used them much, but as as an alternative to the standard washes, GW they did they did fill a pretty good uh, niche, I think, with the, the new glazes. I wish they did more colors. Is my yes. only beef. Yeah, the the fact that they only have what like the like yellow and like it, red I, and green and blue, and blue or something yeah, like, like that. Why it's, couldn't we get purple and brown? Yeah, if they did the two most and or black <laughs> like the ones that we always used. No one unless you're doing the flesh to yellow. Um, yellow power armor where you're painting it with like dwarf flesh and elf flesh and giving it a yellow ink. No one used yellow ink. It's, yeah, it was true. it was very well. Steve uses it for OSL in weird ways that don't make sense to anyone but Steve. They look cool. <laughs> <laughs> don't get Leave me wrong. It to Steve. But uh, uh, yeah, he's he's done some weird OSL effects. They do look if you good. Do, if you do inks thick enough, they do retain a little bit of that opacity, and so you can just build them up in weird ways. But yeah, at the end of the day, I do wish there were more of those glazes. Like you say, you can mix some of them with, you know, hit or miss uh, consistency. But it's a really good idea. I wish they did a few more because I think they are a very interesting tool to have in your arsenal when you're uh, when you're doing metallics, for sure. Yeah. So, and I guess just kind of finishing up with the, the advanced technique is you won't really know when you're done until you're done. You're just more or less the three stages I told you with the, the black and the brown ink and then the purple and then the clear orange. You just keep repeating that until it looks right. So you just keep highlighting up and it's, it's kind of like every time you're highlighting up a little bit more each time where you're getting the first few times you're maybe just doing the, the bulk and metal with the, with the glazes and the washes. Then you mix in the chain mail, do it up and then wash through another sequence of that and then you go into, or glaze, sorry, then you go up to mithril and glaze through another sequence of that. And it gives you, especially if you're almost highlighting a little bit less each time, where uh, you're kind of highlighting your highlights after they've been glazed, it gives you this really cool transition of color through the metallic that you just do not get with that straight up going from bolt gun to mithril with one wash. Yeah. And oh, the saddest sure. part of all is from three feet or more away at an army scale, very little difference. It is so <laughs> it's almost negligible. It is yeah. so subtle. Like it's it's definitely one of those things where if you pick up a model, hold it in front of your face in good lighting, you'll be like, wow, this silver looks awesome. And that that I think is one of the challenges of metal is doing something that is really worth your time on an army scale is a really tough balance to find. I you have to be happy with it though. Yeah, right? it takes a little bit more than your bare minimum. Yeah. It definitely does, but um but yeah, the the really crazy advanced stuff on an entire army scale is maybe not your best investment of time. I recommend against <laughs> it. I tried doing my iron wars like that and never finished the project. Yeah, like but you finished hand. you finished your dreadnought though for the golden demons. 
Yay! Got you a trophy on your shelf. <laughs> that uh, and a thousand. <laughs> so uh, for forty k large. To, let's put this in context. To, to kind of finish off uh, the silvers, then I guess um, let's just talk about different things that you can also work with the silvers. We talked about glazes. Um, best glazes to work with the silvers. Uh, we are also already mentioned like the purples, the blues. Yeah, I think it colder, depends, it colder depends on colors. What you're trying to no, because the orange works really well too. It all depends on the what you're trying to get. From. Yeah, if you're going for a natural. Um, like especially an orky um, type of steel, it would be. Um, I think your color palette would lend towards like the browns and the oranges because those are like yep. corrosion, right? Like Dirty. iron oxide rust is. Depending on how old it is, it's everywhere between like a dark brown and a bright orange. So I think sticking to that color palette, if you're doing like dirty rusty silver, is the way to go. Um, if you're doing fantasy, a lot of fantasy models, including, um, including like elves or empire or Bretonians or something like that. I think that's where getting into some of your colder palette because they have like really refined steel. Yep. And I think um, again, especially if it's a magical weapon, blues, purples. getting into like the blues, purples, turquoise. I did. Uh, oh yeah. Very similar to that uh, blue blue ink and um, you know technique I was describing that I did for some of my gray knights and power weapons and stuff like that. I did some green weapons like that for wood elves in the past, where I was mixing again dark green ink with the chainmail, blending up to mithril, and then glazing with the old like lighter of the green inks. Yeah, and that green. looked really cool too. Yeah, and they do look really cool. Um, and again, it's uh, so I think it does depend a little bit on your subject matter, what other colors are on the model. But I think you can definitely get into some of the more vibrant colors for like refined steel, especially magic. Whereas if it's just dirty, rusty metal, then browns and oranges are probably your friend. You, you, and again, purple is really cool to add some visual interest, but that is probably more subtle to me than the browns and the oranges. Yeah, and the other thing too is that even if you are doing the blues and or the greens. Sometimes having that darker base of the brown before you even go down that road helps to give a little bit more just of the shading to the metallic so it doesn't just look like you've got green cracks on a metallic model. And this is especially if you're being too aggressive with these washes or glazes. Like if you're wanting a bit of a quicker and dirtier way to do it, give the base wash of something dark so that when you are giving the lighter colors, it's not just giving this weird reverse highlighting in the crack effect with a bright green. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, pro tip, the biggest mistake I ever, or the most often t mistake I see with painting metallics with different colors. I don't know about you guys, but I see that all the time. No, I, I see it every once in a while. So um, so that's glazes. Um, have you done weathering powders at all on your metallics? Oh, this is a whole new can. Do we have time to get into weathering powders on metallics? We're just going to quickly, uh, we're just going to give a brief overview. We're not going to... I think it's something definitely worth looking into. Um, you can do some really cool things with weathering pigments. And in a lot of ways, weathering pigments are, like, they're really good for armor. So they work really good with silver. Um... I think this could probably be a whole other conversation, but I've used it a little bit, and I'm I'm intrigued by the you know initial results, and I'm definitely looking to do that more and more. How about this? If you want to take your beginner um, or very base level intermediate metallic we talked about and hide any mistakes you made, cover it in weathering powder and call <laughs> it a day. Uh, I hate to say it, but it just because you're especially if you're doing like a rust powder and you're just jamming it into like the cracks and yep. just doing the very quick and dirty style, it hides almost every mistake that you make. Yeah, I, I find it's harder on smaller like sword weapons. Uh, easier for armor, of course. Uh, war jacks for war machine. War jacks for sure. Some dirty, dirty gears and and parts and that sort of thing. Um, 
one of the best examples I can think of is like ogre kingdoms. They did a lot of rust techniques on a lot of their ogres and some of their yeah. They did some like stippling or dry brushing yeah. of rusty browns and, and some whatnot. and some of the bigger, uh, better artists like can really pull it off. So take a look in the the book there for some yeah. examples. I think and so. I can even. I don't love it, but I did it on some of my Ogre Kingdoms as well with that kind of more painting on the rust effect because that was back mm -hmm. before we got into using weathering pigments. Um, I had mixed results. It's a lot more work than you think it is. Yeah. To take it from, to take the, the metallic that looks good and making it actually look better. So that's my only caution is if you're going to do that like stippling style rust, it takes more work than it looks like it does. Whereas the really nice thing about pigments is weathering pigments until you seal them on there, you can take off. You use, I use my thumb to mess around with them yep. all the time. Just rub it around to get what you want. Yeah, you can definitely play with, um, you know, <laughs> do some finger painting there. Or like, a, like a, I think Mike uses a, a makeup brush? brush. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think it's actually a makeup brush. that He, <laughs> he does use dry brushes as well. But uh, no, you, he does. He, he does <laughs> have an extended catalog of brushes that he uses to put paint on models. Yep. But, um, but no, weathering pigments, I, I would definitely say that because they're removable, you can play with it without really risking your model as if you're just doing an ink wash over top of your silver you're committed like you're there's no control z for that compared to or especially if you're just like stippling yeah stippling, brown stippling especially yep <laughs> um the only thing worth mentioning just before we move out of this weathering pigments is that they always will dry or once you get the clear coat on there it'll be more subtle than it was when there was no clear coat it yeah. just kind of dilutes it a little bit with the varnish going on so i also think part of it too is as you're using a pressurized um, varnish or like airbrushing on your varnish or whatever, it is probably blasting a little bit of the pigment off oh, of the model. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's definitely a combination of the two. For whatever reason, whether it's blowing it off or just diluting it a little bit, um, you will lose a little bit of that vibrancy, which in some ways is good because you can build it up slowly. Um, but the other thing to be wary of is like, you're not doing it wrong if it looks amazing and you varnish it and it just doesn't have the same effect. Yep, that is part of just, the process. Just be prepared. Yeah, yeah you've been warned. <laughs> and also be be prepared for if you're using weathering pigments, that shit gets everywhere. It's worse than static grass if you're not super careful because it is so strong compared to the amount on the palette. Yeah, if you're not if you're not throwing out your palette after putting weathering pigments on it, you probably should. I just use uh, sheets of loose leaf whenever I'm using weathering pigments. Put it up, put it down over top of my work workstation. Do them, and then throw it away. <laughs> Whereas one interesting thing that I've been doing is lately I've been stockpiling bottle caps next to my painting area for using weathering pigments. Because if you keep the weathering pigment contained within the bottle cap, you just throw the bottle cap away. Here's a new one, Dan. There you go. Thank you. You're really contributing to the, you know, it's a team effort. This I'm, is good. I might give you another one right away. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and that also works too, where if you're doing, because you can do washes, if you're mixing with your alcohols or mediums or whatever, um, you can do washes with pigments as well and mixing it inside a bottle cap so that stuff doesn't get everywhere. Also amazing. I love it. Perfect. Had uh, you had any other questions about things to use with metallics? Um, those, those were the two big ones that I think um, for the silvers there. So if again, if you guys have any other questions about adding anything else to silvers, I'm sure that we'll be more than willing to address it in questions and that sort of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And uh, just to wrap things up again, because I think we got sidetracked several times while trying to do the puck system for each different um, each different range. So do you want to do that again one more sure, time? Yeah. Super okay. quick. All right. And so, try to stay on topic. I'm as bad as anyone, probably worse this episode. I think we said what we liked best, but we didn't give a, we didn't assign a puck. Uh, yeah, so, so let's start so. with Old Citadel, the old benchmark. Oh, shit. Okay. 
five. That old Citadel was amazing. Yeah, if you can get your hands on it, do it. Five. All the way to 11. Uh, 11 out of 5. I like it. Uh, current uh, Citadel. Current Citadel, I would probably give it a, for the silvers, probably a 3. Yeah, I'd say it's about a 3 as well. It's it's decent value. It's decent paint. I've used worse. Um, it's no, it's nowhere near what it used to be, but it's still serviceable. I'd have to... It's probably better than something out there. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> so, so I'm going to definitely... Let's give it a two to be generous, because I know that if I bought this stuff at a Dollarama, it'd probably be worse. Okay, all right, for sure. So, uh, P3. P3. Uh, I'm going to give a two. Just my experience with the silvers hasn't been great, unfortunately. So, again, maybe I got a bad batch or what have you, but I'm just going to give it a two for this time. Um, I'd probably give it in that same three, maybe a three and a half on a good day. Um, I have heard obviously that the, the newer P3 metallics are a little bit better than the old stuff that I, that I still have. So that's why I'm going to give it a little bit of benefit of the doubt at a three and a half. I still think it's good. Or maybe, you know what? You are getting better value than the GW. That's maybe, just it. If you go to a three and a half to a four range. I give it a four, if nothing else, just because of how inexpensive it is. Like you're typically paying four bucks for an 18 mil pot. And it won't dry out on you. Like, you're getting to use the entire pot, you're getting more of it, and especially having used the newer version of the metallics, they're good. They're awesome. legitimately good metallics. They're not as good as the old Citadels, but they're but the, nothing they're, is right they're now. best on the market that's not pre-thinned down. Okay, cool. Um, I, I just might have to give them a shot again. Okay. Yeah, definitely worth Fair a try enough. there. So, the let's start with the non-Air Vallejos. I, I haven't used any, so I'm, I'm out on this Yeah, one. the Vallejo model color metallics I've never picked up, so. I'd give them a three. They're not quite as good as the P3s. Um, better than the current Citadels, because again, I hate them. But <laughs> That's just you. Okay, all right. And then Vallejo Air, I'd give a four. Um, I would probably give it a four and a half. Like, I would give it a five if you could dry brush with it more easily. But it covers well. Um, they're very, like, they're not grainy at all. They airbrush, like, amazingly well. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas airbrushing with standard metallics requires a lot of thinning, because they will clog like bastards. And a lot of time at trial and error, too, because they yep. always come... Like, like, you never get the same finish airbrushing one of the Citadel Metallics as you will one of the Vallejos. Like, they just yeah, don't have that same shine. They're literally just not made for it. That's not yeah. their intended function. So, yeah, I would... If they're a little easier to dry brush, dry brush wish with... I can't even talk. But, uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're good value. They're good product. I really like the Vallejo Air Metallics. I would definitely give them four and a half. And I'll just go to give them a five because I don't want to dry brush them with them because they're air, they're Vallejo airplanes. So for what they're advertising, oh, what they do. It's like he slapped you in the face, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like they are delivering exactly what they're trying to sell. And they're also reasonably priced because I think they're what, 17 mil for those bottles? And I believe so. Yeah, 17. And they're around the same range as the P3. So just value wise. They're fantastic, and I'm excited to see what the, the game color ones yes, are going to be like. the game color air, if that stuff is just exact replicas of the old GW colors in a new airbrush formula, like like I said, sign me up. I'm in. I'll take 12. <laughs> and uh, does cool. that leave anybody else? Uh, I don't believe so. None that we've tried. We can always go back and do this later if we get a chance to try maybe some of the Reaper paints or... I uh, Well, I think we'll address it for sure if... Uh... The Vallejo Air comes out with the game color Air, right? So yeah, I'd be all over that. And then so. we'll try some Reapers at the same time and kind of do this sure. again. We'll do some more Silver. So. But again, if you guys have any questions in the meantime, let us know about Silver. Beauty. Awesome. So I guess for Game of the Week, uh, all we really have to talk about, because we didn't really do much, uh, was the tournament that I went to on this past weekend. You don't want to talk about baseball more? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve were here, he would talk about baseball. 
but he's it's not true, here. And he's not. So I'm thankful. <laughs> so no baseball for you. Uh, no, it was really good. It was a fundraiser for the WTC uh, Team Canada because they're going to a tournament in Poland. I believe it's. Poland. I believe it's at the end of the year. Uh, which it's a. This is the first year that Team Canada has been sending a team. Uh, up until this point, the only North American teams are coming from the states for War Machine. So this is really it's an exciting year for this. Yep. So it was kind of nice. It was and it was a pretty reasonably priced tournament too. Like it was forty bucks for the day, and they supplied food and everything, which was lots of fun. Um, I got to play five games. Uh, my goal going into the day because I don't have enough experience with War Machine was to win two games, at least two, and I'd be happy. And I did. Although it was really kind of scary, because I won my first and my last. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I'm halfway to getting my goal. And then proceeded to get my ass kicked three times in a row. Uh, so, ended up walking away with, with my goal in place. Uh, had a couple really good games. Kevin Barrett was my first game. We, nice. Uh, nice. we talked about him on one of our earlier podcasts. Yeah. And he actually also was playing Mercenaries that day. So we had the Earthbreaker versus Galleon duo. He had Bart with the Galleon, and I had Durgan with the Earthbreaker. Uh, and this was probably the highlight of the weekend, and I won't go into too much detail for the games, but this one moment right here, for those of you that actually play War Machine that are listening, this was crazy. So he had Bart with batting down the hatches, behind a wall, beside a vanguard, with his feet up, and I was able to range assassinate him with the Earthbreaker and Durgan. <laughs> so, it was pretty fantastic. How did How did he take it? Like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing is, is that it should... It was a really solid assassination attempt, just because the Earthbreaker can ignore cover and then has a knockdown for its torpedoes. Yeah. But due to Bart's feet, I'm at minus three rat for the for the turn from within twelve inches of Bart. So the Earthbreaker obviously was, and I missed with both torpedo attacks, and then miraculously hit with one of its uh, like POW thirteen rapid fire guns, uh, and did I rolled a six six five for the damage roll, so did almost <laughs> enough to kill him right there. And then Durgan pops his feet behind the Earthbreaker, and due to double powder rations from Dougal, he had a 14-inch range, so I was just outside of that feet range and able to target him. Hit him with the initial shot. Uh, he then sloughs it off to the Vanguard. It's like, oh no, but I know, in, my, in the back of my mind, I know that I've got another at least two or three automatically getting an additional dice POW 7 blast damage rolls here, so there's a good chance I can do the last three or four damage to kill off Bart. Yeah. And, uh... So, transfers it off, and then I do the blast damage, and I've got one focus left on Durgan, so I boost it. This gives additional dice from the feet, and then boosted to then boosted with the focus, so I'm doing 46 plus 7. I think he's arm 19 under his uh, batten down the hatches. And again, I rolled something stupid and just finished him off right there. Crazy. <laughs> so, it was, it was hilarious. I did it without the knockdown. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, I played against a good guy from, Prince, or from Grand Prairie, who was a game I played in the out of the basement tournament and lost ended up beating him this time so now we're one and one so rematch is coming rubber match who, even who is that uh Jesse I don't know his last name but he's playing trolls Robinson I think maybe I think so he was at I know he was at onslaught oh sure well, he's got so. a good looking troll army yeah oh yeah yeah totally yeah. that's him okay great guy to play against uh it was nice not being hung over this time <laughs> <laughs> Because I was really, so hot. Re oh my god, Milk I was so was a bad choice. Yeah, it was exactly like that the first time. Uh, and then I played a, uh, Jordan Murphy, a longtime friend of ours, and two other guys, uh, Dorian <laughs> and Lang. Awesome. I got all their names. So, but they were lots of fun. Good tournament. It was well run. Uh, they did a good job 
staying on time for five games. We actually got out there a little bit early. That's awesome. That almost never happens. And because Brian Sin was supplying a lot of the scenery for it, the tables looked fantastic. 50 points, right? 50 points. Yeah. Uh, divide and Conquer one. I took Dug- or Durgan and McBain. Um, if you want to talk about mercenary lists more, I'll not bore the people on the podcast that don't. You can always just send <laughs> us a message and we can talk mercs. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Good times. Uh, I guess the only thing... Um, and this is kind of, I guess, what does Colbert do? The uh... tip of the cap, wag of the finger. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, tip okay. of the cap, wag of the finger. <laughs> you guys are good. I haven't so, watched it in a few weeks. <laughs> so, having already said that it was a really well-run tournament, the only thing that was maybe um, not off-putting, but just a little bit weird, coming from the the old school G Dub uh, school of thought, where you had the overalls, the presentation, the sport, and the best general. The tournament, uh, and all most War Machine tournaments, uh, any of the steamrollers have a prize for first, second, and third place, uh, and they don't do an overall. Like, they don't incorporate the painting scores into it, and I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, it's a tournament you play, and your games matter for who wins, mm-hmm. but a lot of the ones I've been to, and even Roy out at Thunderground, and any of his steamrollers, he will still have a best painting or a best sport vote uh, going into it, and give some kind of a small kind of... The prize matters less than the kind of the... Recognition? The, the, just the, the cap nod, much like we're talking about, where it just kind of tells people that it's good to be nice and finish your armies. Yeah, and, Like, okay, actually right. paint them, right? It's, if nothing else, just saying this is a cool part of the hobby, too, is really nice, and having them not do that, it felt a little weird to me, I guess. No, fair. I mean, fair enough, right? I mean, every organizer is going to be a little bit differently, so... Absolutely. No two tournaments are going to be exactly the same, but... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would definitely be a little bit weirded out if I went to like a 40k tournament. Well, first off, I'd be at a 40k tournament, which I, I would be weirded at, which I haven't done in like over a year. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but if I if you were at a 40k event and you know there were unpainted models all over the place, that would be a little off putting. Um, so yeah, I can and especially if yeah, there's there's no real incentive to paint built into the scoring system, even if it's like like you say, it doesn't have to be big. Just a little bit of something to keep people encouraged, keep people working on stuff is fine by me. It doesn't take much. Yeah. Just need a little bit of a push. And I'm okay with there not being painting requirements. Like, we, for Out of the Basement, run it for all of our events, but I know that the War Machine community, by and large, don't really want that. The steam, steamroller package has it built in, right, that you can, you can get it's away optional. with it. Yeah, yep. ex- exactly. Totally. So. But having... And so I'm okay with that, but it's nice to have them just throw out something for those guys a little bit, which is pretty... Just to help encourage, I guess. Yeah, because painting does take a lot of time. Um, if you don't have a lot of paints, it is a large investment of dollars as well to get started. I'd... I do think it's something that you you know you could uh, could throw something in there to keep people encouraged and reward the people who go that extra mile. But yeah, I, d- I don't see it as being necessary. But yeah, but it's yeah. it's nice to see. Um, other than that, great event. Like I, I, this is so. It's really just because we here at Hobbit in Canada, and by we I mean I'm talking right now. Uh, <laughs> so this is probably not the entire views, but we're all hobbyists at heart, right? Like it's one of the things that we really do. So we're probably a little bit biased. Oh, more than a little. Um, that it's just, for us, honestly, for me, I think the games would be way too expensive if I wasn't painting them. Like, if, for for me, there's so much fun out of the whole process, so I'm a completionist, right? But, so, again, just to kind of admit the bias, that's all I'm saying. because, I mean, people are just like, oh, how much is that for that box set? But, I mean, like, the way that I think of it, it's like, I'm gonna break it down, like, how long am I gonna spend cleaning the model? And for me, it would be a long time. How long am I going to paint the model? <laughs> Which, How, in all honesty, is never. Is, is a long time. You uh, should come play more War Machine events. Uh, that's that's the game plan. That's the game plan. You don't even have to paint your models. You just uh, have to clean them. Oh, shut up. 
Um, but basically, basically the value the value gets like stretched and, and worth it so much more when you add that painting aspect and and the hobby aspect to it, right? Yeah, so. I, f I definitely feel I get probably more value based on the collecting and painting than I do on the gaming because I spend way more time collecting and painting than I do playing games. So. And, that's, and that's why I don't play Hero Clubs. Yeah, I'm, I'm very biased. I will fully admit that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just expressing a bias. That's all. <laughs> no, it's good. And I'm glad it was a good event. Uh, it ho was. Hopefully I'll... They uh, raised some money for the WTC as well. Nice, nice. So right on. Head over to Poland and... Hopefully, I heard that they're going to hopefully stream some games too, so I hope that's that's true. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool to be able to check, check out and watch uh, watch the local boys in action over in Poland. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because I think we have three Albertans going. Nice. Which is kind of awesome. I think it's a team of five. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Maybe six with like an alternate in there. I, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I think there's, it's a team of five with an alternate making it six. Just in case somebody gets a cold. Yeah, something happens. Okay. <laughs> or a hangover, as it were. There you go. That's why I don't play that competitively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, I think that's basically an episode. I think Sweet. so. So high five for us! Yay! Oh, okay. Wait, all three at once? Oh. Ah, ah, yeah. Okay, so that's <laughs> doing three-way high fives is difficult. <laughs> Whose thumb is broken? I was also using my left hand, which is a terrible choice. <laughs> what if we all? Never mind. Well, <laughs> we will compare high fives afterwards. Until then, this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom. I'm Ward, and I'm Dan. Thanks for tuning in.